since y'all got do got practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So y'all got uh, Harding coming up. Yeah, we got Harding in the first round. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Really, John? You're gonna hum before we go live? <laughs> I can do. I'm done with my prep work. <laughs> I just love to hear you sing. <laughs> I'm trying to. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that you really want to hear that. You may think you do, but I don't know that you really do. Uh, I'm trying out for the voice. Okay. Oh, yeah. you are trying out for the voice. I can't wait to see how many chairs turn around for you. And you know I'm recording this, so this is going to be on our YouTube channel, too, by the way. That's like, fine. We're getting ready to go live. Here we are live on Facebook, Sunday afternoon edition of College Football Picking with Wes and John. Uh, I am Wes Pruitt. John Sturman's over there in the Texas Rangers cap. Uh, we have two very special guests uh, this afternoon. John, you want to go ahead and introduce them? Uh, it's going to show my age a little bit, but yeah, I will. Um, the first guy I've known at least 10 years or so uh, from the St. Benedict days to the Brighton days, now to Lausanne, or back to Lausanne days. Uh, let me first introduce Chris Jordan, who played at Memphis from the 98 era to the 2002 era under Rip Shear and Tommy West era. And then let me introduce the Lausanne head. Well, he's also the defense coordinator of Lausanne now. Now let me introduce Kevin LeCastro, the Lausanne athletic director slash head coach, who's been at Christian Motors from, what is it, 15 years from 93 to 2008, Kevin? I was there from 93 to 13, so I was there 20 years. So basically showing my age a little bit. So I've known you since 2002, my sophomore year in high school then. Yeah. Been a while. <laughs> but, uh, guys, welcome to the show, and uh, thanks for coming on with us. Thank uh, you for having yeah, us. Yeah, man, man we're, we're, we're excited and happy to be with you guys. Good good, good opportunity to catch up. Absolutely. Essentially, when, uh, it's been a crazy year in general regarding COVID-19 and stuff like that, too. It's been extremely tough, I think, on, uh, you know, the families, the, the kids, the student-athletes, the, the schools themselves, coaches. You know, I mean, it's it's we 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 hadn't been immune because we're educators to kind of what everybody's kind of felt this COVID thing has done for you know our country and uh, you know our city and our state. It's just it's been a very very bizarre deal since March for sure. Uh, Coach, what is he there? Yeah, I'm here. When it when it comes to COVID, um, we were talking to Blake Butler this morning uh, in a great interview and kind of got his insight on it. I'd like to get yours as well. how difficult is it as a head coach and even as an athletic director um, to have these tests done and make sure that everything's done right, make sure that the student base is doing what they're supposed to do, not only on campus, but off campus. I mean, is it, I can't even imagine the stress that you, that you must be going through. Well, I think it's the uncertainty of everything. You know, you just don't ever know you, you have a schedule. We decided to play an abbreviated district schedule this year and, and we were fortunate enough when we lost Harding to a COVID case that they had to pick up Houston. Uh, but we, we went from game one the first week of September to our second game being, you know, the, the first week in October. We went four weeks uh, between our first game and our second game of the season. So there are a lot of challenges that go along with just kind of the logistics of how you practice, 
uh, you know, communication with parents and it, it's the age old problem that, that, uh, that always is tough on, on high school coaches is we can take care of and we can do what we're supposed to do when the kids are, are with us. Uh, when they're not with us, you know, when we don't have a whole lot of control of kind of, you know, their, their social life and kind of what's going on at home and things of that nature. Generally, during a normal year, I'm talking about nutrition and hydration. I'm not talking about socialization and, and, and being in large groups and the possibility of exposing yourself, you know, to COVID and bringing it back to our school, which, you know, is not only great for our football program, but it's not really good for our school community too. When we start doing the contact tracing, you know, when you got a positive case, you know, you, you, it affects a lot of people. So we've gone, we've done some really, I think we've done a really good job of how we practice, you know, and, and our kids are finally bought into, you know, wearing masks, you know, uh, you know, we don't wear them at practice, but we wear them down to the, to the practice field. And this is practice. over, so we put them back on and they keep them on until they get in their cars and, and they, they get off campus. So it's almost become the new norm to have that thing on uh, back really in, is. you know, this summer, it was really hard to get these kids to understand the importance of that. And you're constantly, I felt like I was the mass police more than I was a football coach for the first three or four weeks that we were coaching together. And, you know, Chris is also not only our defense coordinator, but Chris is also, you know, our, our Dean of discipline. Uh, and, 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 and he's, he does a great job with our diversity and inclusion. He's in, in charge of that too. So he has a lot of interaction with, not only our student athletes, but also just our, our general student population within our high school. So I'd be interested to get your take on that, Chris. Same, you know, uh, it's tough at school um, because it's so many different belief systems outside, you know, uh, right. they've made mask wearing political, you know what I mean? And so fighting Extremely, fight, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, fighting that fight has been crazy with the kids, but for the most part, everybody's goal is to, they want to stay in school. Everybody loves being in the building, you know what I mean? So. We've had, uh, you know, our kids have done a great job of responding to that. Uh, we've had minimal uh, situations to where we've had to, you know, pull a kid out and say, hey, if you can't wear your mask, you're going home. You know, uh, everybody's pretty much abided by the, the protocol, and uh, and we've done a great job of executing it. Um, so, you know, it was a lot went into it, a lot of money spent, a lot of time, effort, and energy. Uh, this summer, man, I was up, up here, you know, uh, making the classrooms COVID safe, like moving desks and measuring and taping and, and, uh, you know, that, that was a, a process, but, you know, we did it. Uh, and I think the kids appreciate it uh, because, you know, we're still here, you know, three months later, you know, so it's tough though. No, imagine I, my, my, uh, my, my wife is a teacher and, and just hearing the stories of her having to completely rearrange her room and trying to figure out where to put computers and where to not. And it's just, I, I I give y'all an extreme amount of credit because there ain't no way I could be a teacher, especially in today's times. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the the teachers are probably uh, underappreciated, and not because uh, the, the, our parents don't appreciate them, but they don't really know how hard it's been for those people. Because you, you've we, we're fortunate enough we got most of our kids that are in school, but we do have some kids that are virtual. So now not only are you teaching to the kids that are sitting in your classroom and all the things that went into making that happen from the beginning, uh, but now you're trying to teach some kids that, that aren't in the classroom that are virtual too. And it's really kind of double the amount of work that these teachers, you know, are having to do right now. And, 
you know, hats off and kudos to those folks. Uh, I mean, they were just like your wife, Wes. I mean, these, these people work tirelessly during the best of times. And now with what's been going on with COVID and stuff like that, you know, they, they, they've been working, you know, double what they generally work. So, you know, not just our teachers, but all teachers, you know, hats off and much respect for those folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my cousin has told me all about it. You know, anywhere from my cousin Brandon to my cousin Kristen, who used to be with y'all at Lausanne last year as well. But uh, from a head coaching point to a defense coordinator, this is the same question for both of y'all. From a head coach and a defense coordinator as a at Lausanne, how does your game prep different this year from last year's and the years prior as well? Is it basically the same, or is it? Are you trying to get a little bit more information to see like if other players might be sitting out? Due to COVID, or or I know that some teams can still play with maybe like one player that tests positive. Right. So uh, I think it's we've had to be creative in how we practice. Very. Uh, you know, we 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 put our kids in pods, and we really really stayed separate most of the summer. You know, and and of course one of our biggest concerns are our rising seniors with, you know, no eval camps this summer, no seven on sevens. You know, the one thing that, that, that I think I've come to realize this year is the, the importance of uh, preseason scrimmages. I mean, from evaluation purposes and standpoint, you know, we, we really don't have – didn't have the opportunity to evaluate our team. And it's hard to evaluate kind of what you got when you're going up against each other in practice and not getting those opportunities to have those two or three preseason scrimmages and the 707s that we normally have during the summertime. So uh, we've had to be really creative about – uh, first of all, our approach to the safety of, of our kids and the safety uh, of our program and making sure that we're, we're doing the things to give us the best opportunity to play once we can play. Uh, and then we had to be really creative about, you know, with those kids being separate, how do we integrate that when we finally get back together? We, we finally start doing team-type stuff, inside drills, you know, scale, pass scale, seven-on-seven, all those things that you generally do uh, during the course of a regular preseason. You know, nobody had fall camp. I mean, generally, we bring our kids up here during fall camp. We spend the entire week up here in the gym, uh, and the coaches spend the night here, too, for an entire week. And we cap that off with a scrimmage at the end of the week of fall camp. So we, we didn't get to do those kind of things. So um, it's been difficult, not only for us, but I'm sure it's been difficult for everybody. But, you know, our, our mentality has been, and, and this is what we talked about with our kids, we, we just feel blessed to have the opportunity to still play because there are a lot of kids out there that aren't having that opportunity. So whatever it looks like, you know, whatever adversity we face in terms of scheduling and, you know, missed games because of COVID, uh, every time we get the chance to get on the field and play on a Friday night, we're just blessed. Chris, you, you got anything? Yeah, man, you said it all in terms of uh, preparation. Uh, you know, we prepare the same way all the time. I mean, COVID or not, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna, to, like Coach said, put our kids in the best possible situation to be successful. You know, we, we coach them hard and, and we spend a lot of hours uh, learning about uh, our craft, uh, the position, and then our scheme, and then who we play. Uh, you know, for us, it's never about who we play. It's always about how we play. And so that goes into uh, how we prepare. You know what I mean? So we spend a lot of time making sure we got our tools right as coaches uh, to prepare the kids. So it, it doesn't change. We, we got the same, you know, the same mindset. You know, if it's if it's five days of preparation or one, you know, we're going to treat it the same. Coach, uh, I know uh, just in doing a little bit of research and then just, you know, uh, you actually coached two players that I formerly coached, uh, coaching for Bartlett Youth Sports, uh, and that's Carson Webb 
and uh, Eddie Buxton Jr. Uh, can you speak a little bit on them two, uh, just as uh, student athletes and then also as uh, football players as well? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, and this is always the most important thing for me, is the type of quality character kids that we bring into our program. And both of those guys are top, top notch, oh, yeah. young men and, and young human beings. Um, and they're both really intelligent kids, you know. Um, Carson is one of the best centers I've ever had the opportunity to coach. He's got, he's blessed with, uh, you know, that position, if it's, if you do it the right way, it's kind of like your quarterback. If you do it the right way, you've got to have somebody that's got some sense and not just book sense, but they got to have some football intelligence too. I mean, we put a lot on our center in making calls and front calls, identifying the mic and, and things of that nature. We put uh, a lot on our quarterbacks too, to, to kind of make, uh, you know, a lot of decisions in uh, pass protection, the RPO game, reading backside, frontside ends, you know, depending on what our scheme is, things of that nature. But, yeah, Carson Carson was phenomenal. Um, had a really good career here. Super, super great kid. Love his mom and daddy, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eddie, Eddie is just – we call him Steady Eddie. And, uh, <laughs> That's him. That, that yeah. is him to a T. Right. I mean, he's not, he's not going to be at practice and be one of those hype guys and run mm -hmm. his mouth and jump around and do all that kind of stuff. But – He's also the kind of kid that's always, you know, working hard. He's yes or no, sir. He's going to be in the right place at the right times. Very coachable. Yeah. And uh, just like Carson, both of those kids are super, super young men. And those are the guys that, that, that are the most fun to coach. I'm going to tell you the guy that is the least fun to coach is a guy that's got unbelievable talent, right, but is not coachable, mm -hmm. has poor body language, uh, blame wants to blame, complain, and defend negative actions, you know. Uh, and knowing that this kid has unbelievable talent, I'd rather take a kid as average, average talent and, and has great character as opposed to having a kid that had great talent with average character. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, when it comes to uh, let's, I'll just start with Carson. Uh, I mean, I'm a tall 5'4, is how I consider myself height wise. <laughs> and it, you know, nine, ten years old, Carson would come up to me and put his arm right here and be like, hey, coach, you know, every day at practice, same thing, come up. You know, just he's a great kid. Uh, I love both his parents to death uh, and his sister as well. She's the, that, the little one, something else. But, I mean, at, at age nine and ten, Carson was coming back to the huddle going, hey, coach, you know, they're doing this with this guy. This guy's doing this. This guy's doing this. How about we do this? And, you know, eventually we were just like, look, Carson, you just, you just basically tell us how to do it, and we'll just do it how you want to. I mean, it's just – he was that type of kid. Uh, and when it comes to Eddie, I mean, uh, his parents are awesome as well. I actually coached with his dad in youth football. Uh, so, so got to know Eddie uh, Sr. Uh, very well. But, um, yeah, Steady Eddie is the exact way to describe that young man, uh, both in the classroom and on the football field. Uh, he, he's going to do what he's got to do uh, to make sure everything's taken care of. Uh, all the way around. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I can only imagine what those kids are like in, at the high school level, knowing, knowing what they were like at age 9 and 10. Well, one of the greatest things about having the opportunity to be a high school football coach is, is every year is a new challenge because every team has different personalities, has different skill sets. And part of our job is, is, to, is to figure out the ways to push those buttons to get the most out of our kids and to be able to adapt our, you know, what we, what we do and what we know to the type of kid and the talent that we have. I, I've said this all the time about college coaches versus high school coaches. College coaches get to recruit to the scheme, right? They can fit the pieces of the puzzle 
through the recruiting process, right? For us, uh, we don't have the luxury of doing that. So we've got to know a lot of different schemes and we got to adapt on the fly very quickly from year to year based on, you know, the type of kids that we have come out and what their skill set is. It's going to give us and them the best chance to be successful. Um, and I'll tell you this too, a lot of our quality of life depends on the type of kids that we have in our program. Uh, you know, we've all, if you've been coaching as long as Chris and I have, we've all had those years where we love our kids. We not, might not necessarily like our team. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, it's like being a parent too, you know, yeah. you know, some days, you know, growing up, I love my son every day, but some days I didn't like him very much. Right. You know, and it's kind of the way it is with, you know, when you're a coach with your team, but golly, when you got a team that works hard, that, that buys in, to trust the process, golly, it's so much easier to be a coach and you enjoy it so much more. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Kevin and Chris, both same question as well. Um, again, Chris, I'm sorry with you. Compare your St. Benedict days to your Lausanne days now. I know the enrollment is totally different a little bit, by, but by not as much. But can you talk about those two? Uh, the St. Benedict experience, uh, you know, for me, I grew up a lot as a coach. Um, to be uh, in what I believe is the toughest league, you know, in the state, in that Division II AAA league. You know, you're playing Innsworth and and uh, Brian Chris and Christian Brothers in MUS. And, and, and you know, we didn't have uh, um, a whole lot of talent when I first got there. Um, and so I had to really learn how to coach. I came from Melrose where we had eight or nine D1s. You know, uh, I go from coaching Greg Cooper, the number one running back in the country, who goes to Miami you know, the St. Benedict, and I was like, who, I didn't even know it existed, you know, um, but it developed me, you know, as a coach, and it, and then that's actually what brought uh, me and Kevin together, uh, was competing against each other, you know, and, and being able to take it from a program, and it wasn't just me, uh, we, it was a lot of people that, you know, that worked hard, uh, Mike Davis, one good friend of mine who's a head coach at Brighton, you know, to turn that program around, you know, and make it competitive, you know, so I, I think the experience there, I grew a lot and then transitioning to Lausanne um, and, and St. Benedict, I had to do a lot and wear a whole lot of hats, right? Uh, on both sides of the ball, uh, recruiting coordinator, uh, strength and conditioning coach, you name it, I did it, you know? Uh, and then I got here and, and all I had to do was focus on defense, you know, which was different, you know? Uh, and so I would say the difference is just being around, um, you know, guys that, that, kind of fell in line with what their role is here, uh, with what Kevin has established and assembled as a staff, uh, it, it was so much easier to not have so much on my plate. You know, I could really just focus on being a, a better coordinator, you know, and not have to deal with all the other stuff. Uh, and so, you know, it's been phenomenal, man. Uh, you know, people people think we had a, uh, a ready-made machine at Lausanne, you know, when we got here, but it, it was, you know, Kevin was here what two years before I got here, three, mm -hmm. two or three years before I got here. And, and we, we had to grind, we had to develop those guys, you know, uh, and we did it together as a family, you know, he'd been in the game for 30 years and I'm approaching 20 and, uh, and to experience what we've experienced together, man, is unmatched, you know? And so it just went to the, you know, took me to the next level. I had to raise my, you know, raise the game a little bit. I had to work a little bit harder. I had to tighten up uh, a little bit because I'm, I'm in a room with people now that are just like, and no disrespect to nobody on our St. Benedict staff because there was some great minds there too. Uh, but as a program, we struggled, you know what I mean? And so 
to come here and to build it and what it turned into, man, you got to be on your P's and Q's. You can't come in with some half-hearted, you know, skin, oh, we're going to do this blitz because Alabama did it. No, that don't fit what we do. Why are we doing that? You know what I mean? So right. uh, it just grew me up, you know, uh, a little bit more as a coach <clears throat> and understanding how to deal with, you know, success. We've had national success. You know, we've had a lot of uh, uh, things come our way as a result of what we've done, you know, what our kids have done. And just managing that, you know, uh, handling that has been, you know, been a learning experience. And so it's been it's been good, man. So uh, I hope that answered your question. Uh, uh, I know I kind of went on a tangent, but. Uh, no, you're good. That was the two experiences for me, man. I mean, we did coach a good running back also at San Benito and Jordan Wilkins. You a know. great running back. He, he's in the NFL <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I, notice, I had a nice game I said, today, too. Yeah. Notice I said we didn't have talent, a lot of talent in the beginning. No knocking, yeah. not, not knocking the kids when I first got there, but we were able to bring in some uh, some great ones. You know, Joey Magnifico, uh, my son, Ladarius Jordan, uh, you know, Tyler Curry, Jordan Wilkins, Trey Wilkins. I mean, we had four or five SEC guys. We had, you know, uh, an NFL guy. I mean, it's, it was a, it turned into a great program, you know, and a great experience. So, uh, yeah, so we had some guys. <laughs> No, no downside about Jordan. He went to Ole Miss. That's the only downside. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, Kevin, what about your Christian Motors and Lausanne days now? And you know, I won't compare. I won't ask you a quick question regarding this as well. That's one reason I'm bringing up your former schools as well, because you had the privilege to coach one of my good running backs that I enjoyed watching back in back in the day at Christian Motors and Eric Watson. And then uh, you also coached now or at Lausanne in the past couple of years at as a SEC running back right now at University of Tennessee and Eric Gray, who's having a phenomenal last two years at Tennessee. So yeah. that's, one of, that's one reason I'm bringing up your former schools as well, because y'all have had talent that played college football, either D2 or D3 or even D1. And that's one reason I'm getting y'all on to talk about college as well and a little bit of high school ranks with y'all. Because uh, so Kevin, Christian Merchant, uh, you're Los Andes so far. First of all, much respect to the brothers. Uh, my 20 years over there was remarkable. Uh, I still have great friends. Bubba Luckett and I are best friends, you know, to this day and talk all the time. So great experience over there. Learned a lot. I grew a lot. Uh, a lot of fun. Dominic Stadium on Friday night is a phenomenal place to have the opportunity to coach. Um, but when they handed the keys to the kingdom at Christian Brothers, it's kind of like, here you go, buddy, don't screw it up. Uh, when I came over here, and in our first year, you know, my first year, Coach Nedlin was the head coach, and I was the, I guess, head coach in waiting kind of thing. I knew when I came over here that Coach Nedlin would have one year, then I would take over the program. So it was the first year we had a varsity football team. Uh, and to be honest with you, that year we were not very good. Uh, the next year we were not very good. Our third year in 2015, we'd gotten a little bit better. And then, uh, you know, of course, then on 16 and 17 and 18, we went on the run. Um, but I mean, I've coached some great players. I mean, you look at Chris Walker, that was a three year starter in a defensive end at Tennessee. And, you know, Chris is still at the University of Tennessee right now working with, uh, working with the FCA and, and the athletic department up there. You know, Chris Mosby, God bless him. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't, we never get to see how Chris would have ever panned out because of the accident his senior year. But right. I'm a phenomenal young man. And, and, uh, you know, he was on his way to the University of Kentucky before the accident. And and, uh, and I, I think Chris would have had a chance of, of playing in the league. But, you know, I mean, heck, at one point in time, I had five kids that uh, out of the same class that were starting at the University of Memphis. 
You know, you had Brandon Pierce started tackle, Philip Blouse started center, Ryan Williams started defensive tackle, Brett Russell started at, at tight end, and Corey Mills started at defensive end. And all those dudes came out of the same class. Uh, that was a class, I think, of 05. And all kinds of – when you get my age, all kinds of run, runs together. Because <laughs> this is my 31st. My age, too. <laughs> yeah. So, this is my 31st year of coaching. But you look right now, I mean, from a high school that has 350 co-ed is what we are at Lausanne. And, and what we've done and what we've accomplished to be able to compete against the highest level in the state, uh, public and private. Uh, I mean, I, I'm really proud of the, the body of work that we've accomplished over here. Uh, and, and I think it all starts with the administration first. The administration has to understand the importance and the role that athletics plays within the school community. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't have a headmaster or principal that believes in athletics, it's going to be really, really hard for you to have success. Uh, the second thing is, is, is the coaching staff. You know, when I came over here, I brought most of the guys with me from Christian Brothers, the own staff at CBHS, where we'd had a lot of success. And, um, and then I tried to get Chris to come with me when I was at Christian <laughs> Brothers on multiple occasions, right? And I, I couldn't convince him to come over there and join me. But when I got over here, I, I finally, we finally worked it out. And, and Chris came over here and, and, and does a phenomenal job. Between, you know, Chris is our defense coordinator. Patrick Nagoski is our offense coordinator. I coach Patrick. And I've got five guys on the staff that I coached in high school at CBHS. Uh, so the friendships, the family, the loyalties run deep. Uh, I mean, we, we don't just grind football together. We go to each other's houses on the weekends. Our wives know each other. Our kids know each other. It's, you know, a lot of people can talk and preach family, but we live it every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, and, and I think it's, uh, I think when our kids see that, uh, it, it makes them uh, excited and comfortable about, who they're having coaching them. Our parents feel the same way. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. We came over here. We, we started some traditions. We've had some success. Very The expectations when we first got here were next to nothing. You know, there wasn't any pressure. Shoot, every Friday night, I mean, Tommy McDaniel can tell you this, every Friday night you walk on that field at Tommy McDaniel Stadium, you feel a little bit of pressure now. Uh, <laughs> and then folks over there love their football. Uh, but we have now since developed expectations from our families too now, which – which tells me that we've done something the right way and we've had some success. So, and, and, and I like kind of what we've done and where we're at right now. Let me Especially ask, what I, oh, 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 let me ask you this coach. Uh, speaking of the success that you've built, um, talk a little bit about uh, just the mindset and what goes into keeping that success and, and keeping your, you know, keeping your team built for the future. Yeah, I, I, one thing as a coach, I, you, never, you never get ahead of yourself and you never rest because you've had some success. Right. You know, and, and really the one thing that I've grown to, to get better at, when I was at CBHS and we won on a Friday night, I just put that to bed and moved on. Didn't really celebrate any successes. If we lost, it would, it would stick in my crawl for a long time until we had the opportunity to come back and play again and win. And, and I told myself when I left over there and came over here that I wasn't going to let that – I wasn't going to get back in that same rut and that same routine. I was going to celebrate, you know, when, when our kids and our staff did really good things. Uh, well, that's a lot easier said than done, by the way. Uh, you know, but um, I, I just think that, you know, we, we talk a lot about just 
opportunity. We talk about, you know, uh, when the first, when the next, when the last. You know, we we talk a lot about living in the moment today, especially with this COVID stuff. I mean, we're we're not guaranteed to play this Friday. Nobody is. Right. Um, so we we better be super super excited and and we better be dialed in to who we're playing. The one thing I think the staff has done and our kids have done, even when we had you know the run with Eric Gray and that, that group of kids, is staying focused on the next opponent, no matter who the next opponent is. Yeah, we, we say it all the time. I don't care if we're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers or we're playing the worst team in the state of Tennessee. It doesn't matter because our measuring stick is not how bad we beat people or, or if we get beat. The measuring stick is on our performance, our execution, you know, our, our, our preparation going into it, uh, our mindset and our mentality. You know, uh, that's because we look at ourselves in the mirror as a measuring stick of, of if we're doing a good job or not. And our, we teach our kids to do the same thing. Okay, I'm going back to your high school days for both of y'all just a little bit. Um, Chris, you played at Ridgeway High School. Was it under Coach Cooley? John Cooley, baby. Yeah. So, uh, Will Hudgens on your team or no? Forgive me. Will, Will used to carry my shoulder pads for me. No, Will was younger than me. And still does. Okay. Still carries the shoulder pads. No, I'm just playing. Will, Will, Will is younger than I am. I think he was okay. in seventh grade when I graduated. So okay. Yeah, eighth grade maybe, but I he mean. Said he still does. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's that blood director at St. Benedict. No, I'm Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, right? <laughs> but, uh. Okay, so Chris, your favorite game of your high school career and your college career, and then same thing for you, Kevin. Oh, uh, man, uh, without a doubt, uh, Melrose, 1997, Ridgeway Melrose at Hallis Stadium. It was about 5,000 people there. Uh, Cedric Wilson played. Andre Lott, who's the head coach at St. George's. Kevin Taylor, who uh, played at Tennessee. All three of them ended up going to Tennessee. Two of the three went on to play pro ball. Kendall Moorhead was on that team. Kedrian Wool. It was it was Division One prospects all over the field. I, I was born and raised in the same neighborhood that all those guys went to. I was born and raised in Orange Mound, and so uh, I was technically assigned to Melrose, but I got bused to Ridgeway. And so uh, when we got a chance to play each other, that was the second time we played my, my sophomore year, the first time, but the second time we were pretty good. And uh, it was a game of the week. Uh, no team – they had scored 80 points like three times before they played us. Uh, and and no nobody got positive yards on them, you know. And so I had, I don't know, 70 or 80 yards rushing. It was a huge deal. It was 14 to 7 in the third quarter them. Well, the game ended up 50 to 14 Melrose in one quarter. Uh, so it was, uh, it was unbelievable atmosphere, though. It was crazy. We all knew we were going to see each other again in college at some point because it was just a lot of talent. And it was the neighborhood ties run deep. So it was it was my favorite game. And then as far as Memphis goes, my best experience <laughs> was in Neyland Stadium. We played UT at UT. We made the mistake of jumping up and down on the T pregame. Um, <laughs> and and, and Dante, it was Dante Stallworth's uh, birthday. He probably had 300 yards receiving on us that day. But yeah, my was, uh, never let me forget that. He said, yeah, <laughs> they stopped on the tee and oh boy went off. And he said, Yeah, you, I thought we had a chance, but you know, yeah. It was nuts, man. You know, and to play against guys like Jason Whitten and John Henderson and Eric Westmoreland and, you know, Drake, you know, got a chance to see Andre Lott again. 
you know, uh, it, it was it was phenomenal. Hundred and however many thousand at Neyland Stadium, uh, it, it was it was crazy. Uh, it was probably the best experience I had, uh, um, you know, in college football. So that was my. So, that was your, so that's your best road atmosphere as well. Best atmosphere, yeah, that was the best atmosphere I played. Now, obviously, it ain't nothing like running out of Tiger Head on Saturday. That's no. my favorite. You know, that's my favorite. But but playing in Neyland Stadium was crazy. Did you play for uh, Tim Thompson? Yeah, that was that, that was the Thompson era, right? Played and against Thompson. Tim Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played against him. Uh, yeah, bunch of bunch of uh, talent, man. From from '95 to you know '98, man, he was loaded. Uh, four or five, you know, first round or I'm sorry, not first rounders, but NFL starters right. uh, on that on that roster, man. That was crazy. Uh, Kevin, when it comes to your uh, coaching history. Um, who would you say – what would you say is your most memorable game and who would you say is the – what was your favorite coach to go against? Uh, you know, I, I, I love the rivalry that Christian Bros and MUS had and I, I love – that game was always special, you know, during the year. And I think the reason why it was so special is there's a lot of mutual respect between those two schools and – and there was a lot of mutual respect between Bobby's staff and my staff. And Kyle Finney, their offense coordinator, I would call his teammates. And, you know, I love Mark Chubb and, you know, I've known Glenn for a long time. And we were just very familiar with each other. And, and that was always fun to get together and kind of play. And it kind of somewhat over here feels the same way now with ECS because, you know, Scott Vogel was on my staff at Christian Brothers. You know, I co- teammate. I, yeah, his teammate. <laughs> yeah. I, I, co- I coached their head coach, Trey, in an all-star game at the Liberty Bowl All-Star Game. Uh, I mean, I've known those guys on that staff for, for a really, really long time. Uh, even though they're a little bit younger than me, they've still been around long enough for us to kind of been banging heads back and forth. So, um, you know, it's uh, when, when, when Carlton Flat was at Brentwood Academy, he was always fun to go against because he was a legend. And we had some great success uh, against Brentwood Academy. Uh, one of the biggest wins we've ever had is the year that uh, – it was my last year or second last year coach at Christian Brothers. We played Brentwood Academy in the quarterfinals that came to us and they had Jalen Ramsey. Uh, their quarterback had just committed to Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the Sanders boy that played at Notre Dame. Uh, they're like five dudes on that team. They're playing in the league. Montre, the Montre Wade. Yeah, the Montre Wade. Golden. Yeah, yeah, Golden. I mean, those dudes were loaded. And uh, they came to Christian Brothers. I remember they got off the bus and I was at the coach's office and Bubba Luckett. I had met them at the, at the, the visitor's locker room when they got the bus, and he walked in, and he looked like he'd seen a ghost. And <laughs> I, I looked at him. I'm like, what What in the world? He said, good Lord, these dudes. And I'm like, okay, well, appreciate that now. So you, you, you'd see them in warm-ups, and they, were, they, they looked as good as you thought they would look. But, yeah. uh, you know, we went out with them that night and got a chance to, to play at the semifinals of a Baylor who was undefeated that year. And we lost on a 47-yard field goal, 31 to 28, and wow. they went on the next week and lost Innsworth, uh, who they beat in the regular season and state championship game. But you know those those old Melrose matchups at the Liberty Bowl that we used to have when Melrose yeah. was really good, that was always super super fun with Kenny Ingram and you know uh, well you know when 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 I remember when when Craig was playing we went down to Melrose mm-hmm. and. And uh, we beat them seven to nothing, and that's when we had Chris Walker, Chris Mosby, and of course they had Cooper and all their guys. I mean, it was packed. Probably, 
I don't know, six, seven, eight thousand people. You know, those games were always a lot of fun too. We we always had a lot of good games in Whitehaven as well. So, I mean, it's been a lot of fun rivalries through the years, and uh, you know, I like I like being familiar with the the people that we play against and get to know the coach, other coaches from other schools and and the other staffs. And it we people don't realize. I mean, we're pretty civil with each other, you know, because we all have the same goal. And the, the goal is not necessarily to to win a state championship or win on Friday nights. The goal is developing a skill set in these young people that's going to help make them successful once they leave our school, leave our program. Yeah. Uh, so when you got that kind of commonality, uh, it's easy to, you know, play a game and fight your tail off. Then whoever wins, wins, and you just move on. Yeah. Can you share your uh, Calvin Austin story that you shared with me? Oh well, yeah. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can share with all the words that were said, the language that was used. But yeah, you know, the year Cal, Calvin, uh, Johnny Allen was head coach at Harding that year, and and this was Calvin's senior year, and and they were really good now. Uh, and that was the first year that we won our first state championship in 2016 when we beat Webb. And Johnny and them lost to Webb, up at Webb by three in the semifinals. For Webb. Yeah, they got screwed in that game, too. Yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard they did. But anyway, Calvin just absolutely, his junior year, just beat us everywhere you could beat us. I think he had an interception return, kickoff return. Maybe, game winner. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> scored the game-winning touchdown yeah. at the end of the game and maybe even returned to the kickoff. I don't know. But he scored like five different ways. So going into that game the next year, I'm like, i tell you one thing we're not going to do. We're not going to put that ball in a joker's hands. I mean, if they want it in his hands, they're going to have to put it in his hands. So we worked all week on our punter, literally not angle punting, but punting the ball into the stands. Like, punt it into the stands. I don't care if it goes to your mother's 10th right. row. Yeah. If that thing lands on the playing field, you are going to get your butt chewed by me yeah. if you get back to the sideline. Yeah. So Calvin, Calvin – we were punting to them, and Calvin is standing like one yard off of our sideline in front of Chris Jordan. And he looks at Chris Jordan and says, y'all going to punt the ball to me? And, and Chris Jordan goes, nope. He's like, come on. Like, that's kind of how yeah. our relationship uh, developed, you know, uh, me and him talking that night. He's like, coach, kick the ball to me. And I'm like, no. No, but no, we no. did hold them to 22 yards total offense that game. Uh, and I'll never let, let him live that down, especially since he's in the Tiger receiver family now. Uh, I won't ever uh, let him forget about that. He's having a, he's having a heck of a career. And I, I think yeah. it goes back to, you know, I, I know these college coaches are big into measurables. You know, I mean, uh, every position, uh, a college coach kind of got their height, weight, speed, whatever, whatever kind of thing. But – you take – I mean, some kids are just players. There's ball players, man. There's ballers. And it's like Anthony, when Anthony Miller came out of Christian Brothers, I couldn't get anybody interested in Anthony Miller, anybody. Jay Hobson was the head coach down at Alcorn State, and Jay and I have known each other forever. I called Jay, and I'm like, hey, I got this kid. Jay, he's the best I've ever coached, you know, plays receiver. Jay looks at him on film and calls him back. He's like, Kevin, I, I just think we got, we got a couple of guys on our board a little bit better. And I'm like – Okay. No. <laughs> and so, so Dicky, who's now the OC at you know A and M, uh, Dicky was out at Memphis at the time, and I I told Dicky the same thing. So, but all those guys that turned Anthony Miller down, whenever I see them in Memphis and recruiting, as soon as they walk in my office, the first two words I say to them are Anthony Miller, <laughs> and they all know what I mean when I say it. 
Because yeah. I wear their butts out. Good. Uh, Good. Uh, Coach, let me – and this is, my, this is my last question for y'all, and then both – this is for both of y'all. As a seasoned veteran, and I, I'll just call you both seasoned veteran of coaching. I mean, you've got 50 years combined experience, so that's seasoned to me. As a – if you could give any advice to a young – uh, up and coming coach that's that's working their way up. Uh, what would it be? That's an easy one. Go ahead. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought it was gonna be a hard question. Go ahead. Nah, in other words, in other words, Kevin's gonna be talking for like ten minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. It don't matter. Man, <laughs> it's, it's funny because that's kind of you know what I've been doing the last couple of years. Uh, not necessarily mentoring young coaches, but I got a circle of them that that, that I communicate with on the regular. Um, and some of them are head coaches. Um, uh, some of them are at, one's at Bolton, one is at Bolivar, one's at Brighton. The DC at Brighton is my little cousin. Um, you know, Andy Atkins, the D coordinator at St. George's. He and I would would talk ball a lot. Uh, he come over and, and we clinic and do do that sort of thing when he was you know young in his defensive coordinating days. So. Uh, for me, it's always remember that it's about the kids. Um, you got to get out of your – it's not about you. Uh, Kevin said something key earlier, man. Forget the state championships and all that. We're trying to develop young men into being productive members of society. So remember that it's not about about you. Uh, and then when it does get to football, because you do have to be able to coach it, uh, the main thing is uh, uh, never stop learning, you know, um, I, I used to bug coaches when I first got into this, man. Uh, uh, you can ask any college coach that's recruiting. I will wear them out for drill tape, for, for notes, for clinics, for, I mean, any and everything uh, to, to help me with my craft, you know. And, and I always wanted to – I always approached it as if I had to coach every single position. If a coach said, hey, I want you to coach O-line, I need to be prepared for that. You know, so really dig into – uh, um, you know, seeking help from other people, you know, that, that have the experience. Uh, never stop learning. And remember, it's always about the kids. It's never about you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I echo what, what Chris just said. And just to add to it, you know, people think that, uh, I mean, I, I call the folks in this business, and I think there are a ton of them at our level, but uh, they just are there to draw a paycheck. I, I call them easy money. You know, if you want to be good at this business, first of all, it can't be about the money because you're not going to make a ton of it. You know, we all know that. I tell people all the time, you know, I don't make Nick saving money. Does uh, so, <laughs> anybody? And, but and we, we didn't get into this to, to be rich right. in that respect, right? But you've got to be willing to grind. If you want to be good at this thing, you got to be willing to grind. And you've got to spend time away when, when you're not at school, you know, with your nose in film, you got to be clinical coaches. You know, ever since 2003, I've taken our staff to a different university over spring break for five days and grinded football. And that's what we do every spring break. You know, we don't go to the beach. You know, we don't go to somebody's house on the lake and hang out and do all that kind of crap. We go to a different university and we try to get better. So you talk about the combined experience of 50 years here in this room we're always thirsty for knowledge because the game evolves and the game changes. You know, football is not a static sport. Uh, and there's always something different. I mean, probably the latest innovation, you know, if you were to say it'd be one is the introduction of the RPOs and how it's changed the way that people run things offensively and how now defenses have, have got to try to defend it. 
but it's it's a constant chess game and it's all there's always moving pieces to the puzzle so you know it's it's like being a guy that ran the wishbone in 1982 uh it's, you know it's kind of tough to run that you know in 2020 and yeah, anybody yeah. be excited or happy about what it what was you know? the old georgia tech coach's name uh <laughs> Dante, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, or yeah. the web coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just, but you just gotta, you know, you gotta. When I first started as head coach over Christian Brothers, I mean, we were our pro team. You know, we we'd have we had tight end, we had a flanker, we had a split receiver, we had a fullback, we had a tailback, and we we're underneath center, right? And in 2003, we did not have a fullback on that team, believe it or not. And we had a couple of tailbacks that were kind of scat back type guys, but weren't really eye back, tailback kind of type, body types. So that's our first year that we went out to the University of Oklahoma. And uh, we hooked up with Chuck Long, who was offensive coordinator at the time, and Kevin Wilson had just come over from Northwestern and, and got hired there as their offensive line coach. And they brought Kevin in because uh, Northwestern had led the, the Big Ten in rushing that year. And Oklahoma wanted to kind of beef up the run game. So we spent four days grinding with Kevin, and he sent us all their film on the dart scheme. And that was the first year that anybody in the city of Memphis started reading the backside in with the quarterback. And um, so we started doing that, and obviously we've, we've kind of progressed. It's funny, too, because back then we were all four wides. I mean, we were, we were either spread two by two or we were trips three by one. Uh, we didn't even really use a tight end. And now we're, we use a lot more tight ends now than we did back then. And, and it, I would say offensively, if, if from a formation standpoint, if you really kind of looked at any college that we kind of like, we're, we're a little, little bit like Auburn. But we, we visited with Malzahn at Auburn and when Malzahn was at Arkansas State. So we've been down there with Gus and, you know, and, and Kevin Steele, their defense coordinator. And those guys are really, really good to us whenever we get a chance to, you know, visit with those guys and try to learn some ball. But uh, – yeah, I mean, but that's what makes it fun, you know, for us is the chess match and the game planning, the, the preparation and, you know, the uh, there's not a ton of calls that are made on Friday night that are going to change the course of the game. Probably 80% or maybe more than that is just uh, how you prepare your kids, you know, and I'm not just talking about game week, it's how you prepare them in the off season. You know, what's your, what's your strength program like? Uh, what's your summers like, you know, and and what's the level of commitment that the kids have to the program and the coaches have to the kids? You know, all those things are really important. But, you know, it's it's having the ability to go up against a, a, another staff that you respect and is good and, and game plan against those guys, knowing there's going to be a little bit of nuances during the course of a game that, that could change it either way, that stuff's a lot of fun. I mean, I think that's the reason, one of the reasons why we do it. And, of course, we're all ex-athletes, too. And the closest thing you can get to those feelings before you play a game when you were actually playing it is being a coach. Yeah. <laughs> all right, this is my last question so y'all can get to practice and prepare for Harding and all that. Uh, Chris, uh, this is a question for you that I have. Um, how did it feel watching your son under Coach Norvell's success, you know, going to the Cotton Bowl and winning that AAC championship at a school that you played under? How did it feel? Uh, dude, the first time he, uh, he, he dressed out, I think they had pink, uh, tiger, uh, uh, decals on their helmet. 
And I, I just remember it because it was his first time coming out of the, the tiger head, literally brought tears to my eyes. Uh, I, I was extremely, uh, you know, proud of him. You know, the first time he met uh, D'Angelo Williams, D'Angelo signed his hat like when he was a little boy. Uh, and then to come out of the tiger head on the sideline, you know, I'm standing, me and D'Angelo are kind of standing there and he, he sees him as a tiger. You know what I mean? Is like, dang, I'm a part of that. Uh, it was uh, it was cra- it was surreal, uh, you know. And then to finally see him, you know, get some snaps and get in, make a couple plays, you know, uh, it was it was unbelievable, man. Uh, knowing the blood, sweat, and tears I put in the program, my career wouldn't, you know, this illustrious career like like Anthony Miller had. You know, I just worked hard, you know, uh, and and he did the same thing. So it was amazing to see it. I think we lost Jonathan. No, he's just jumping. I'm still here. <laughs> he's taking a nap. I have a text message. Okay. No, somebody was asking me a question, but it's okay. <laughs> no, he's not on a laptop. He's on his phone, which is what happens. But, uh, Kevin, but yeah, Chris, man, you know, th- oh, yeah, but Chris, like I said, yeah, your son experiencing that cotton ball, man, as a Tiger, you know, as a fan, and me and Wes are fan, diehard fans. We grew up watching games together, basically. So we've known each other since third grade, and we went to road trips together with, since seventh and eighth grade. Went to Superdome together. Went to the Louisville's Papa John's together. But, you know, watching you as an alum, being our diehard Memphis fans as we are, I appreciate everything you've done as a Tiger and as a fan watching Memphis football still and watching, you know, going to games still as well as a fan and as an alum. Because we need that fan base back. We really do. And I'm I'm thinking under that Fuente success in the Tommy West era, we finally got that, you know, and Norvell says we finally got our fan base back and going to the games. And that's one reason yeah. I appreciate you coming on as well, you know, coming and talking about Memphis football with us. And then your son, like I said, experiencing that Cotton Bowl was just once in a lifetime that we haven't done in so many years, gone to the New Year's Conference games as well. So, Man. Kevin, Chris, appreciate y'all coming on with me and Wes, like we talked about. Uh, we know you got to go to practice, so appreciate y'all's time as always. Yeah, man, we, we, we so much appreciate you guys and – we appreciate what y'all do, I mean, for, for high school sports. And, uh, you know, y'all keep grinding and do what you do, and we're going to try to do the same thing. And uh, you guys stay safe. And, obviously, uh, Jonathan, you know how to reach out. If you guys need us for anything, just let us know, okay? We sure will, and I appreciate yeah, y'all's we'll time do. again. Appreciate right, you guys. Thank Go, y'all. Go Tigers, baby. <laughs> Down.